Welcome to Medical Student Study Cast, the podcast to help third-year medical students study for clerkships, where I have the questions and you have the answers. Hi, I am your host, Josh Bradford, a third-year medical student at Rocky Vista University. The goal of this podcast is to help medical students study for high-yield topics and actively test knowledge. I used several resources and picked out some of the highest-yield information. This podcast uses a question-answer format, which can help test and gauge what you know and help identify the knowledge gaps. I encourage you to do your best to actively answer the questions. Let's get started. Psychiatry Clerkship. In this episode, we will cover substance abuse, intoxication, withdrawal, and treatment. Some general advice. Substance abuse has a couple of major test question presentations, and the key is to understand the physical signs that someone is intoxicated or going through withdrawal, so really pay attention to the physical signs. Some questions will be tricky because the substance abuse isn't obvious. For example, a patient might come in for surgery and a day later start going through some sort of withdrawal and you have to figure out what kind. This is often alcohol withdrawal. Also, pay attention to medical problems that come from substance abuse. So this would be like alcohol, cosmic cirrhosis, and that can be a clue to the alcoholism. Also, cocaine can cause Prinz metal or vasospastic angina. Also, the current opioid crisis has made opioids an important topic in both practice and testing. Starting about some essential features of substance abuse, what sets substance abuse apart? It's important to remember that it becomes abuse when there's real social and occupational impairment. This includes a loss of responsibilities, relationships, and hobbies. This might be getting fired from a job, divorced, no longer going out with friends, and then some sort of loss of control because the uh, substance takes over their life. What physical features of drug use is indicative of chronic daily use? Some of these physical features include physical tolerance and then subsequent withdrawal. So that means that the patient must be living at a chronic level of the drug influence, which gives the body time to adapt to living with the drug, and when it's removed, they have the withdrawal symptoms. How long are these features necessary to call it substance use disorder? So these need to have occurred for 12 months or a year, and it's far more common in men. What is the screening tool CAGE? So CAGE stands for C for cut down, A for anger, G for guilt, and E for eye-opening. Have you ever tried to cut down? Do you feel angry that you can't use or someone's asking about using? Do you feel guilty because you're using or when you use? And is the substance necessary to get you moving in the morning? Let's get started with one of the substances. A 35-year-old male with a history of neck pain after an incident at work shows up at your office for a first-time visit. He says that he just got insurance and is asking for help with his severe neck pain. The pain is inconsistent on palpation and his pupils are constricted. He says that only hydrocodone has worked in the past. What are you concerned about? This raises a high suspicion for opioid use disorder. Make sure to check the local opioid registry to verify that the patient isn't shopping doctors to get prescriptions. What receptor do most opiates activate? Most of the features that opiates have are because of their activation on a mu opioid receptor. What does excessive activation of this receptor do to the body? 
So there's euphoria and nociceptive relief, a cognitive depression, and then respiratory depression. There are other symptoms as well. And what are two major areas of the body that opioids don't gain tolerance? This would be pupillary constriction and constipation. I would really keep these in mind. This is important because you can use pupillary constriction to know if someone is intoxicated, even if they are tolerant. Which opiate medication dilates the pupils? This is mepiridine, also known as Demerol. You can use the mnemonic Demerol dilates to remember that Demerol dilates the eyes differently than all the rest that constrict. What is the worst outcome of intoxication? So opiate intoxication can lead to coma with severe respiratory depression that can lead to death. Keep in mind that hypoxia can also cause pupillary dilation. Keep that in mind because if you come across a patient who has a likely opiate overdose and they have respiratory depression, hypoxia, that might be causing pupillary dilation, which might not show the normal constriction and can be confusing. Moving on, a 28-year-old male veteran with a leg injury is brought in by ambulance to the ED. He is found unconscious. He arrives agitated, combative, with a heart rate of 135, blood pressure of 148 over 104, and pupillary medriasis. What was he given on the way to the hospital? So he was most likely given naloxone. He was found unconscious, but he arrived agitated, combative, with the signs of withdrawal. So what is naloxone? This is a mu opioid antagonist, and we'll put someone straight into withdrawal. What are some symptoms of withdrawal? Symptoms of withdrawal include diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, pupillary dilation or medriasis, pain, tachycardia, and hypertension. A good way to remember this is they're wet and droopy everywhere, so their eyes and the GI, and they have this important feature called hyperalgesia. This is where the they've been covered, their pain has been covered so well for so long that now that it is exposed, it feels much worse. And the long-term use of opioids can upregulate the pain response. What is the half-life of naloxone? The half-life of naloxone is around an hour as compared to hydrocodone, which has a half-life of four hours. So what does this mean about giving naloxone? Consecutive doses of naloxone may be needed to be given as the antagonist effect may wear off before the agonist. So you can give, they can be found unconscious, have an overdose, you can give them naloxone, and then as the naloxone wears off, they can go back into overdose. You may need to get another, give another dose of naloxone. What is another drug that can be used for permanent antagonistic effect? This would be naltrexone. It has a much longer lasting effect and can also um, put someone into withdrawal and be used for acute intoxication. There are certain medications that can be used to help patients decrease withdrawal symptoms. What are some of the medications that decrease all of the symptoms overall? What I'm getting at here are medications that also work on the mu opioid receptor. These include methadone and buprenorphine. What's unique about methadone? So methadone has a long half-life, around 24 hours. So it can take four to five days or four to five half-lives to leave the system and allows for a more gentle decrease in the opioid dependency and less effect of the opioid withdrawal. Buprenorphine has what mechanism of action? Buprenorphine is a partial agonist. 
So therefore it's safer, much more difficult to overdose on, and tends to not have a greater sense of euphoria and in fact can block the euphoria if they take other medications concurrently. So other drugs like clonidine and propranolol can be used for some symptomatic relief, but do not act on the opioid receptor and so do not decrease most of those problems. Important to note that buprenorphine can be combined with naloxone to decrease abuse potential. Why does it decrease abuse potential? So naloxone isn't absorbed orally, but if the patient takes the drug IV, then atropine will cause lots of unpleasant side effects as it puts someone straight into withdrawal. So they take it orally and they just get the buprenorphine, but they take it IV and they get the buprenorphine and naloxone. Let's move on to a different drug of abuse. A 53-year-old male with history of alcoholism is driving. He gets stopped by a police officer. The officer asks the man to get out of his car and do a series of tests. What are the effects of moderate alcohol intoxication that the officer can look for? This includes decreased fine motor control, impaired judgment, slurred speech, cerebellar dysfunction, and general disinhib disinhibition. Alcohol is the most commonly abused substance, and so there are going to be quite a few questions on that. Keep that in mind. What population is most at risk for alcohol abuse? There are multiple populations. Men in general are at higher risk, and so are individuals with a family history of alcohol abuse. Native Americans and Alaska Natives are at higher risk for alcohol abuse. What is alcohol metabolized into? So I apologize taking you all the way back to biochemistry. I hate this stuff myself, but it's important to remember. Alcohol is metabolized into acid aldehyde through alcohol dehydrogenase. What is the consequence of acid aldehyde accumulation? Flushing and nausea. So some individuals of Asian descent have a decreased aldehyde dehydrogenase, and that's what removes the acid aldehyde into acetic acid. So therefore, Asians tend to have less alcoholic abuse because they have more of the flushing and nausea that decreases the likelihood. What additional mental effect does alcohol have on the elderly? Alcohol can cause delirium in the elderly. So keep that in mind if you have a acutely delirious or psychotic, potentially it looks psychotic elderly patient. It could be just alcohol abuse. You might need to, you know, watch out for that. What is the best alcohol measurement test? It's a blood alcohol concentration or a blood alcohol level, BAL. The breathalyzer isn't as accurate, but is often used when they don't have access to the blood alcohol level. How much alcohol do human bodies generally met metabolize per hour? This would be 0.03. And what is the rate at which it's metabolized? Well, if it's metabolizing the same amount per hour, then it's not proportional. This would be a zero order metabolism. How long does it take to get a 310 blood alcohol level out of the system of the human body? This is closer to about 12 hours. Just keep that in mind. 12 hours. What is the traditional AST-ALT ratio in alcoholism? The AST around two times the ALT. It's important to always check this. Moving on to the next case, a patient gets into a fight on the street where he is shot. He's brought to the ER and transferred for immediate exploratory surgery. The bleeding is stopped and the patient is transfer and transferred to the ICU. 
Over the next two days, he develops tachycardia, hypertension, diaphoresis, and tremor. Blood cultures are negative, and there's no signs of surgical site infection. What is it? This is a classic presentation of alcohol withdrawal. You don't know the history of the patient, and there's no real way to get it because they're so affected and, you know, might be in hypovolemic shock or, you know, they're under anesthesia because of surgery. And this patient, you know, if they come in from the streets, they could also be homeless, which has a higher proportion of alcoholism. And they get surgery, and then after the surgery, there are the signs of alcohol withdrawal. So what are the signs of early alcohol withdrawal? The signs of early alcohol withdrawal include hypertension, high heart rate, diaphoresis, and tremor, and then a general autonomic instability that includes hyperreflexia of the deep tendon reflexes. Again, this is just an increase of the sympathetic nervous system. Because alcohol is a depressant, when you withdraw, there's higher activation. How long does it take to get to early alcohol withdrawal? So this is generally 12 to 24 hours after the last drink. What are continued signs of worsening alcohol withdrawal? This includes agitation, formication or the feeling of ants crawling on the skin, confusion, and possibly seizure. And how long does it take to get to the severe alcohol withdrawal? This is three days. So one day for the mild withdrawal, about three days for the severe withdrawal. What are some medical conditions that are seen in alcohol abuse that might be in a clinical vignette? All right, so there's cirrhosis in long-term use, and that can cause caput medusa, or varicose veins around the umbilicus, ascites, esophageal varices, and then also pancreatitis, which can present with intense back pain and epigastric pain. What is delirium tremens? This is important to understand. Delirium tremens is the worst complication of alcohol withdrawal. It's most commonly seen in elderly patients and patients that are more likely to seize, and it involves seizures with um, hallucinations and gross tremor. And mortality risk is about 5% of the patients that get delirium tremens will die of it, even in treatment. Moving on to the next case, a patient enters the ED with hypertension, high blood pressure, agitation, diaphoresis, and admits to heavy alcohol use. He's confused and has difficulty answering questions. Hepatomegaly is noted. Glucose is 50. And the patient has free fluid in the abdomen. What should be given first? So very first, you should give thiamine with glucose. This is obviously someone who has heavy alcohol use they, they, that they admitted to and is going through alcohol withdrawal. So even though the patient is hypoglycemic, you should give thiamine first because glucose can metabolize the current thiamine and worsen what? It can worsen Wernicke's encephalopathy. And what is that? This is a reversible or temporary altered mental status. It includes memory problems and pretty severe ataxia. Again, thiamine first, then glucose. What is the worst version of Wernicke's encephalopathy? When Wernicke's becomes irreversible, it becomes Korsakoff syndrome. And what's the key symptom here? I've always thought this was really interesting. Confabulation is the key symptom. This is where they make up stories to fill gaps in memory. 
because they have damage to the memory bodies that store memories. They have blank memories, but they just make up stories. It's crazy. They just make them up. What is the best treatment for preventing the worst alcohol withdrawal symptoms? This would be benzodiazepines. And what's their mechanism of action? So they activate the GABA receptor and provide a gradual decrease in the GABA receptor activation, giving the body time to recover. So what are some benzos with long half-lives? These are diazepam and chlordiazepoxide. So they are better at preventing some of the worst symptoms, but might not be as good at providing immediate relief. So if you need immediate relief, what can you give? This would be a short-acting benzo, including lorazepam and alprazolam. Moving on to the next case, a patient who started drinking more heavily after his father died six months ago. He admitted himself to an outpatient drug rehab center with a blood alcohol level of 250. He recently started needing to drink at 5 a.m. to get back to sleep. He would sneak shots of vodka from a secret stash in the garage. He's unhappy about his life and his wife is threatening to divorce him if he doesn't get, get his alcoholism under control. A week later, after going through withdrawal symptoms and doing several therapy sessions and AA meetings, he's ready to go home, but he wants to feel more comfortable that he won't relapse. What are two first-line agents in alcohol recovery? So the two first-line agents are acamprosate and naltrexone. So what's the purpose of prescribing acamprosate? Acamprosate works on the glutamate and GABA receptors to decrease cravings. And this can be used in conjunction with other, other medications. What are the contraindications to acamprosate? This is renal disease. Uh, one way to remember this is, this is because acamprosate camps out in the kidneys and damages them. So acamprosate camps out in the kidneys and damages them. The patient decides to go with naltrexone, the other first-line agent that is the mu opioid antagonist, and decreases the associated high with alcohol. He quickly develops nausea, sweating, increased heart rate and blood pressure, nodriasis. What happened here? In this case, the patient likely had a concurrent opioid dependency that was immediately put into withdrawal because naltrexone is the opiate re receptor blocker. The patient mentions that he wants something that will really discourage his use on a more difficult day. You recommend disulfiram, but like patients always do in real life, he asks what the mechanism of action is. You tell him accurately and correctly that disulfiram blocks the aldehyde dehydrogenase, which we learned about earlier. And this causes a backup in what? This is a backup in acid aldehyde and causes the subsequent flushing, nausea, headaches, shortness of breath, and racing heart. Before you put him on the disulfiram, what lab should you do? So disulfiram can be hepatotoxic, so you need to verify that the LFTs are not too high. It can be hepatotoxic, especially in damaged livers. And then, important to keep in mind, another second-line option is dopiramate, which is an anti-seizure medication, potentiates GABA, and reduces cravings. What is the best type of psychotherapy for drug use, especially for alcohol use? Group therapy is the best therapy someone can get. So think of Alcoholics Anonymous or AA, where someone can go see other people who are struggling with the same problem. Let's move on to another case. A 27-year-old male 
who smoked for 10 years and is trying to stop but needs help. What are the best pharmacological treatments that you can offer him? So first off, nicotine replacement therapy would reduce a desire to smoke. This might be a nicotine patch or nicotine gum. Varenicline, which is a partial nicotinic agonist, can minimize withdrawal symptoms. And then lastly, this is a medication we've already talked about. Do you know what it is? This is bupropion, which is an antidepressant with action on serotonin and dopamine receptors and decreases the cravings and limits weight gain. Let's talk about some other drugs really quickly. I'm going to go through quick cases and hit the high yield points, and then we'll do a rapid review. Water intoxication due to overheating with psychosis is what drug? These are amphetamines. The key here is overheating that leads to excessive drinking. So overheating, amphetamines. If they aren't treated for the hypothermia, what's the severe complication? This would be dehydration, leads to rhabdomyolysis, and renal failure. Is the withdrawal life-threatening? No, the withdrawal in amphetamines is not life-threatening, but they will crash, sleep a lot, and feel like crap for a few days. This is pretty common for a lot of the stimulants. Next drug. Tactile hallucinations with chest pain and tachycardia is what drug? This is cocaine. The tactile hallucinations are a creepy, crawly sensation, like the formication mentioned earlier. What should you give for the chest pain? Don't pick beta blockers for folks on cocaine because the excessive catecholamines that aren't going to the beta receptors are not going to go to the alpha receptors, get overstimulated, cause blood pressure to spike, and more vasospasm. So instead, give something that relaxes vasospastic vessels, so these would be calcium channel blockers, CCBs. Really quick, what is the mechanism of action of cocaine? This is reuptake blockade of dopamine, epinephrine, and norepinephrine. What is the best test first for cocaine and amphetamine intoxication? This has kind of just been mentioned, but remember to do an EKG, and then it's also good to do a urinalysis to see if there's other medications on board. Next case. Hypertension, hallucinations, and aggression with excessive strength is what drug? This is PCP. What will you notice in the eyes of people on PCP? This would be vertical or horizontal nystagmus. So keep this in mind. This is really important. Vertical or horizontal nystagmus. That's how you're going to identify it. You can add the aggression and the nystagmus. You might need benzos and even haloperidol to treat the agitation. Next drug, conjunctivitis and increased appetite is what medication? What drug? So this is seen here in Colorado quite often. This is marijuana. I was a little tricked by conjunctivitis when I read it for some reason, but just think of stoners trying to hide the red eyes. Next drug, teenager with dizziness, euphoria, headache, and confusion for 30 minutes. There's no evidence of drugs at home or on talk screen. What is it? This is likely huffing inhalants such as glue or paint thinners. Next substance. A homeless person is found on the street next to an empty pill bottle. His respiratory rate is 4 and he's not arousable. He's given naloxone but without any response. What is the likely cause? So if he's given naloxone, then it's probably not opiates. This means it's likely sedative hypnotics and that's possibly combined with alcohol. So if it's benzos, what do you do? 
So you shouldn't have to choose between supportive care for the respiratory depression and flumazenil. Just remember that flumazenil is likely going to put somebody into withdrawal and potentially withdrawal seizures. So supportive care is being chosen more often these days. Let's finish off with a rapid review. Where in the body do opiates not gain tolerance? This would be pupillary constriction and constipation. What opiate dilates the pupils? Meperidine. So that's dilated, dilates. Also remember that hypoxia can dilate. So what medication is given if first responders come upon a patient that is unconscious with a low respiratory drive? This is naloxone, the mu opioid receptor antagonist. What are the symptoms of opioid withdrawal? That's wet, drippy, so they've got lacrimation, nausea, diarrhea, and hyperalgesia. What is unique about methadone in treating withdrawal? Methadone has a really long half-life. And what about buprenorphine? In this case, it's a partial agonist, so decreased abuse potential. What is the metabolism type and rate of alcohol? So this is a zero-order metabolism with 0.03 per hour metabolized. What is the worst outcome for alcohol withdrawal? The worst outcome is delirium tremens that has hallucinations, seizures, and a uh, relatively high mortality rate. Long-term alcoholic with confabulation after being treated for alcohol dependency. What is the disorder? Corsicos. And they might not have given thiamine before glucose. The patient has a history of seizures and comes into the clinic with tremors, diaphoresis, agitation, hypertension, and tachycardia because he ran out of alcohol yesterday. What do you give to limit seizures? Benzos. You can give lorazepam short-term, diazepam long-term. What is the first-line agent in decreasing alcohol relapse? That would be naltrexone and acamprosate. What is um, contraindicated to give acamprosate? Renal disease. Remember, acamprosate camps in the kidneys. What does disulfiram block? So disulfiram blocks the enzyme aldehyde dehydrogenase and causes a buildup of acid aldehyde. Now you have a nystagmus and aggression. What drug caused this? This is PCP. Chest pain, formication, and not sleeping. In this case, this is cocaine. Conjunctivitis and increased appetite. This is marijuana. Overheating, not sleeping, psychosis. What's this? So the key here was overheating is a unique thing. And psychosis. This is amphetamines. Thanks for listening to Medical Student StudyCast. Here's the joke of the day. A doctor tells a woman she can no longer touch anything alcoholic, so she gets a divorce. Here's another one. A couple of years ago, my therapist told me that I had problems letting go of the past. Well, if you appreciate this podcast, please consider supporting this content by donating to my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash medical student studycast or at anchor.fm forward slash medical dash student dash studycast. If you have comments or concerns, please contact me at medicalstudentstudycast at gmail.com. Share what you find helpful, changes you would like to see, and personal experiences with the podcast. Remember, 
I am only a humble third-year medical student, so if I make any mistakes, feel free to let me know, and I'll do my best to correct and provide the most useful, concise, and accurate study tool that I can. Disclaimer, this podcast is not meant to be the only resource of learning used for medical student clerkships. This podcast is not affiliated with Rocky Vista University and should not be used to diagnose or treat patients. I'd like to thank freemusicarchive.org for the intro and outro music.